The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. A warning. This episode contains language and depictions of violence that may be disturbing to some listeners. I didn't kill anybody during the riot. Should they have convicted them based upon what they had and the manner in which they did it? No. I told the judge right before I was sentenced to death, I said, this is not over, man. This is not over. I meant that. I have seen with my own eyes. I've read the documents. It just reeks of wrongdoing. I had this recurring dream that I'm in this little complicated place. I have to crawl through these little real tight spaces. Sometimes I'm upside down. I can't explain it to you, but I know my way out of that. But get the help I need, I'm going to get out of this. They never thought, they thought I was going to give up. They thought I was going to turn my back on myself. Wrong about that. What's wrong about me? It's not over yet. It's not over. Every fiber of my being, I believe that. I get my life back. When I set out to find a story for our second season, I have to be honest, I struggled. Finding a worthy follow-up to Melissa and Rodney proved to be really hard. Then I spoke with the senior producer at Jason Flom's podcast, Wrongful Conviction, and he told me about Keith Lamar. Keith Lamar is currently sitting on death row in Ohio for crimes that happened during the 1993 Lucasville Uprising, one of the longest and deadliest prison riots in U.S. history. Keith's execution date is set for November 16th, 2023. He says he's innocent. I was interested in Keith's case, and maybe because, as it turns out, I have a small personal connection to this story, too. In April of 1993, when the riot broke out, I was a senior at Ohio State majoring in broadcast journalism and doing an internship at WBNS, the CBS affiliate in Columbus. 
As a budding journalist, I needed to somehow get to that prison in Lucasville, just so that I could witness it, any of it, firsthand. So I begged those in charge to let me go, to help, to do whatever, anything they needed. Eventually, they gave in. I do remember it was late that night we arrived. The air was cool. It was strangely silent. I was a little scared. I remember wondering what in the world was going on behind those prison walls. I wanted to know more. So now, almost 30 years later, that's what I'm setting out to do. In an effort to find out why Keith Lamar was convicted and sent to death row, I need to know what happened during those 11 days in which 10 people were brutally murdered. And while the uprising is only going to be a small part of the podcast, it's crucial. It's crucial in order to understand why the state of Ohio is about to execute him. But what I learn is it's not that simple because somewhere along the way, my reinvestigation of Keith's case evolves into something far more personal. I have never been more frightened, angered, inspired, challenged, conflicted, and consumed than I am by Keith and his story. Maybe because of what I uncover, or maybe because the stakes couldn't be higher. I'm Leah Rothman. This is The Real Killer, Episode 1, The Uprising. Our top story, a full-scale riot at Ohio's maximum security prison in Lucasville. The lives of eight guards. It's April 11th, 1993, Easter Sunday. Inmates at the Southern Ohio Correctional Facility celebrate the holy day with an ambush. At 3.15, convicts returning from an exercise yard stage a fight, then jump corrections officers and seize control of cell block L. Cincinnati news station WCPO reports cell block L is under siege. It's one of two main housing wings at the Southern Ohio Correctional Facility. Most call the maximum security prison Lucasville, after the small rural town where it's located. Columbus news station WSYX is covering the breaking news from the sky. Here are two of their reporters. What can you tell us? We are flying above it right now. Let's take a look at the situation down to the scene. Uh, there was some kind of uprising shortly after 3 o'clock this afternoon. And we will be here throughout the evening. We'll bring you the latest as it develops. Just a few hours before, 23-year-old corrections officer Daryl Clark a married father of two young girls, clocks in and starts his shift. Today, something is very different. It was quiet, very eerie quiet. It's never that quiet. Then in a flash, that quiet turns to chaos. When I seen inmates run down the hallways, another officer being beaten down. About 450 prisoners have taken over L Block and the adjoining gymnasium. Gerald and his partner, armed only with nightsticks, are in serious retreat mode. We both ran to make it to the back stairwell. From that stairwell, Gerald and his partner radio for help, but no help ever comes. Instead, inmates armed with weapons like weight bars, dumbbells, bats, and shovels close in on them. 
It looked like a hundred of them, all with their face masked up. They started banging on the door, and they just yelled, we're going to show you what we can do. They went around with the uh, weight bars, and they busted a hole through the wall right where we were sitting. And they hit four or five hits on the door. The deadbolt just folded that metal like a piece of bread. And the door opened up, and they all came in. And a certain inmate uh, looked at us and said, you're our hostages. While all hell is breaking loose at the prison, Lucasville's warden, Arthur Tate, is about to sit down for Easter dinner at a friend's home a couple of hours away. I remember that the Masters golf tournament was on, and I was watching a little bit of that, and a call came in from a former employee of mine at Chillicothe. I got, we didn't know cell phones back in those days. This was in, you know, 93. Before Lucasville, Arthur Tate was first a social worker, then an FBI agent, and finally the warden at Chillicothe Correctional Institution. And she said to me, I don't know what's going on, but they have activated the special response team at Chillicothe and sent them to Lucasville. And I thought, what? So I got on the phone and called the facility. Line was busy, line was busy, line was busy, line was busy. So on the fifth occurrence, I got a hold of one of my deputies and he was almost incoherent. I managed to get from him that they were experiencing a major riot insurrection. He said that the hostages had been taken, keys had been taken. He told me that prisoners were on the roof, they were attacking defense, and then I'm thinking, oh my God. So he said, you need to get to the prison right away. As Arthur races to Lucasville, Daryl Clark and his partner are now under the complete control of their captors. They tied us up. They took my jacket off of me and put it over my head and used telephone cord and tied my blindfold on. And some guy was trying to take my wedding ring. He was wanting to cut my finger off because he couldn't get it off. And I, I convinced him and let me take it off. Blindfolded and terrified, Daryl and his partner are led to the L-block showers where the rest of the officers are being held. Prisoners are now holding 12 hostages. When I arrived, it was a serious situation. That's Colonel Tom Rice, the superintendent and 33-year veteran of the Ohio State Highway Patrol, which has jurisdiction and authority over all the prisons in Ohio. There were guards that had been taken hostage. We had inmates on the inside of L Block and inmates out in the yard. My uh, major concern was to secure the L Block area, unlocking all the other facility doors and then assigning people outside to the fence to make sure there wasn't a mass escape. Everything in Lucasville was changing. The number of officers would be changing almost by the minute because they were coming in from the north, the east, and the west. Eventually, we had over 300 officers there. And after a short time, we got assistance from the FBI. The FBI actually brought in their negotiating teams. What Tom and the FBI negotiators don't know is that the prisoners broke into the offices and found the official prison negotiating manual, the how-to in dealing with these exact kinds of situations. 
So actually, we were negotiating against our own manual. They knew uh, what we were doing or what we would be doing. Here's a reporter from WCPO. It is unknown what triggered this riot, although there have been unconfirmed reports that race may have been a big issue in this. Although there are serious issues of race at Lucasville, the uprising on Easter Sunday is not about that. It's in protest. A protest started by the Sunni Muslim population against what was secretly scheduled to happen the next day, forced tuberculosis testing. Warden Arthur Tate had planned to lock down the prison on Monday for three days to force test any prisoner who had previously objected to it. The Sunni Muslim prisoners had refused the test because the injection contains phenol, which they believe to be a form of alcohol. And they say being made to ingest alcohol is a violation of their religious freedoms. Here's Arthur Tate. We're going to have a team of people essentially put you on a gurney. If, if it gets to that, and you'll, you'll, we'll, take, we'll get this test, we'll affect this test one way or another. And although this uprising may have started with the Muslim prisoners protesting the TB testing, surprisingly, two other groups, the Black Gangster Disciples and the Aryan Brotherhood, joined them. They agree to put their issues with each other aside and come together in solidarity against one common enemy, the prison administration and what they claim to be the poor treatment of everyone at Lucasville. So the Sunni Muslims, the Aryan Brotherhood, and the Black Gangster Disciples call a truce with each other. But for many others inside El Block, it's still a war zone. Here's Daryl. A lot of inmates, the ones that they was having beef with, they was used hearing people screaming, yelling, help, hollering for help. And that was going through my mind, thinking, well, how, how am I going to die? Am I going to be beaten or cut, stabbed? Am I going to be raped? What's going to happen? Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
guards remain hostage inside the Southern Ohio Correctional Institution at Lucasville after a full-scale riot broke out in one of the inmate wings today. While Daryl Clark and 11 other officers are fighting to stay alive inside L Block, Tokyo Morgan, a prisoner housed in K Block, the other main housing wing of the prison, is shocked to learn about all the madness happening around him. We was all asleep, and when everything took its course, and everybody was waking up like, man, what's going on? They're like, man, Ryan over there, something, da, da, da. We look up, there's a whole bunch of people in the yard, and that's all you seen. Basically, it was people running around on the yard. And um, I think it was a few, like, smoke. You know, I guess they set stuff on fire over there on the hillside. You saw smoke coming out. Then, as you know, you start hearing people talking about, man, it's dead. It's such and such dead. They killed another white dude. I mean, people was just, just dying right there. You know? Through the late afternoon and into the evening, two corrections officers and one prisoner, all with severe injuries, are released. Then, later that night, law enforcement spots movement out on the yard. The audio is a bit difficult to make out, but what you're about to hear are officials in real time counting as prisoners bring several bodies outside. Give me count. Right in front of their eyes are the bodies of five dead inmates and two critically injured ones. Around 11 p.m., prisoners let two more officers with severe injuries go free. Eight hostages still remain inside. Law enforcement weighs whether or not to storm the prison, but ultimately decides against it. Here's Colonel Tom Rice again. Start out with the fact that you really don't know where your hostages are. So if you're storming in the wrong place, by the time you get to the hostages, the hostages are already dead, and you have no idea who killed them. Around two in the morning, 11 hours into the uprising, 300 prisoners who have been out on the yard away from the chaos are rounded up by officers and brought inside K-Block. They are stripped naked, searched, handcuffed, and locked up again. 10 prisoners per cell. Cells meant to hold just one. About six hours later, prison officials make a strategic move. They turn off the water and electricity inside L-Block. So... Prisoners then make a move of their own. It seems that the inmates are trying to get in touch with us, the media. They're hanging sheets outside the windows. Some of them read, the state is not negotiating. And this administration is blocking the press from speaking to us. But the press is there, and they're more than ready to talk. My name is Michael San Giacomo. I was a reporter at The Plain Dealer for about 30 years up until my recent retirement. Michael's about to become the luckiest reporter at Lucasville. Or so he thinks. Prison administrators decide to allow one member of the media to speak with an inmate by phone. After Michael's business card is pulled out of a hat, he gets to go inside. So I was walked into the prison and I was taken into this very stark room. And I'll never forget this. There was a guy in there who looked exactly like Spencer Tracy. I mean, he was very intense looking. I said, 
who are you? Because this guy, he just had authority coming out of every pore. I mean, this guy was in charge. And he said, you don't need to know that. And I said, well, really, I do. You know, I'm a reporter. I really need to know who you are. And he said, I'm not telling you who I am. He said, but just trust me, I'm the guy you need to listen to. He said, if you fuck this up, you will be responsible for killing people. He said, I want you to know that. If you fuck this up, people are gonna die. And I just sat there going, oh God. He said, just so be very careful when you answer the questions. And he said, and when I hang up the phone, that means you're done. So I said, okay. So I sat down, I picked up the phone and, and there was an inmate on the other end. And all he got to say was, who is this? And I identified myself and he started to talk and they hung up the phone. They being Spencer Tracy. And I said, whoa, <laughs> I didn't even get to ask him a question. And he said, okay, that's it for now. That's it. Uh, Spencer Tracy explained, he said, this is just a tactic. We want to keep them like off guard. We want to get something back from them now that we've let, let them know that you were available. So that was their bargaining tactic. But the prisoners find a way around that. George Skates, a member of the Aryan Brotherhood, goes out on the yard with a bullhorn. He'll become one of the prisoner's spokespeople. I want you people to understand this ain't no fucking joke, boys. You got eight lives in there that we're all concerned about. Now let's get something rolling here. What do you want to do with? Do you want to talk to one of our negotiators? And we want the news media. Okay, sir. Well, what can we do for you, George? Well, we can start out with the lights, we can start out with the water, we can start out with uh, news media and deliver you two hostages. How's that? I can't guarantee you that the news media will even talk to you. Oh, cut it out. Let's knock off the bullshit. What do you say? So give me Channel 10 News. Channel 10 News. Bob, what's the latest? Jerry, I wish we had more facts really to give you, but the facts basically are as they have been through the day. That's Bob Orr. Back in 1993, he was the primary anchor at WBNS, Channel 10, that same station where I was an intern. No electricity, no water. They've cut off all utilities. They are not serving food. They're hoping that maybe that will bring about some kind of peaceful end. A 43-year veteran of radio and TV, Bob retired in 2015. The last 23 years of his career, he spent in Washington, D.C., as the lead justice and national security correspondent for CBS News. So when I arrived on Monday, there was a substantial media presence, but it was going to get much larger. It would rival some of the largest contingents I ever saw later in my years covering national news in Washington. But the prison administration isn't making it easy for the press which is relegated to the other side of the prison, to an area that will be nicknamed Media Hill. Nothing is more frustrating for a reporter than to have no access to any kind of sources that can give you any kind of objective read as to what's going on. I felt like this is a huge story, it's right in front of us, and we can't get to it. I don't see why you won't let us meet with these news people. We can't trust the media. You can't trust the media. Why? Because they're going to broadcast this thing exactly the way it is. But trusting the media does become an issue. Now, a very dangerous thing happened, and that is rumors started to 
propagate. Now listen, so I'm there as a reporter and I'm in a competitive environment where I have my other stations in town are also there. The national media is there. They think they have a story that there may be 50 bodies stacked up in the gymnasium. One report said maybe as many as 150 bodies. What do you do with that? One, your competitors are saying this over and over and over. You run the risk of looking like you really are way behind or don't know what's going on and you don't have a story. So the only thing I could think to do that was responsible was to say, these things are being widely reported. We cannot verify it. We don't even have any real reason to believe it's true. And we're only raising this because it's out there. Even that's not perfect. I think a purist would say, uh, if you really held to your guns, you wouldn't have touched it. Either way, prisoners are frustrated. We want the news media. They want access to the press because they want transparency. Here's officer and hostage, Daryl Clark. I don't know what you call it, one of the Stockholm Syndrome or whatever. Um, I could feel their frustration because I was part of the negotiations. I was talking to negotiators. This is Daryl Clark. Junior, what these guys are doing, now listen to me. I'm listening. Every fucking word I'm telling you, guys. I'm listening to you. Okay. Now these guys have risked their lives to protect us. You understand? I hear you. They've been giving us food. They've been giving us clothing. They've been making damn sure no one comes near us. We have not been touched in no way that you're thinking of. That's good. We appreciate that. We want you to say it. Okay, Clark. up to the news and had that broadcast it, and it's over with. Okay, Officer Clark. We're going to try to get that. If you care for any of these hostages, me, myself included. That is our main goal and objective, to get every single person out. Here's Colonel Tom Rice. Our goal was to bide for time, and that's what we were doing. We've got the time, and we're just going to let this thing run. Here's Daryl Clark. During that time frame, it made me hate the administration, you know. But I was under a lot of stress and pressure, too. I mean, I'm thinking, I know I'm going to die. Because even though Daryl is telling negotiators his captors have been treating the hostages humanely, at times, it couldn't be further from the truth. There was one time they was trying to rape me, and I was being pinned. Another inmate came in and told him, said, guys, if you do that, they're going to cut your head off. So they got mad because they couldn't rape me. So they started beating me. And uh, I had my paw, uh, jaw knocked out several times. I kept popping them in. They would pop it out. And I was beaten pretty good. Day four is Wednesday, and it brings new threats. Around 9 a.m., Prisoners drape another bedsheet outside the window. This time, it says that if their demands aren't met, like more educational opportunities, in three and a half hours, one hostage will be killed. A prison spokesperson is asked about this. It's a standard threat. It's nothing new. We're going to kill a hostage. Here's anchor Bob Orr. I'll never forget this spokesperson kind of downplayed the threat. Kind of said, well... The prisoners are threatening to kill one of the guards, but they always do that kind of thing. This is just a ploy. They're, they're not going to really do that. And I remember thinking at the time, wow, she either knows a lot more about the security inside that prison, or she's taking a real chance here. Because even though power had been cut, the prisoners are monitoring broadcasts. They're monitoring radio. 
So I'm pretty sure that they heard that back inside the prison. The next morning, law enforcement radios each other when they see prisoners back out on the yard. Please give us the respect of coming in and getting our body. We need to come in and get it and get it out of there. Uh, we need a safe passage. Do we have an agreement that we can come in and get our bodies? Here's Warden Arthur Tate. I was in the hostage negotiation room, and uh, I got a call from my nurse. She said, Warden, you better get down here. We think we have an employee that's been murdered. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. The body of correctional officer Robert R. Blandingham was recovered from the yard of the Southern Ohio Correctional Facility at 12.20 this afternoon. His family has been notified. The murder of 40-year-old officer Robert Vallandingham sends ripples through law enforcement. It also changes the entire course of the riot. Here's Colonel Tom Rice from the Ohio State Highway Patrol. The inmates decided that they would take a life of a corrections officer, Bobby Vallandingham. One of the nicest, calmest, gentlest guys you'd ever want to meet. And they did. And then they threw his body out onto the yard. Unbelievable. <laughs> Sorry. It was just unbelievable. One of the saddest days <laughs> in, my, in my whole career. The saddest day in my whole career was dealing with that death. It was so unnecessary. 
Here's Arthur Tate, Lucasville's warden at the time. So, not too many people know this, but just a couple hours after we found out he was killed, the afternoon shift was coming on, and they obviously had heard over the radio, through the news, that one of their own had been murdered. And I mean, they were mad as hell. And uh, they surrounded me. There probably were 40 employees, maybe, or more. And screaming, yelling, you know, we want to go, we want to go into L Block and take care of business. And I'm actually thinking that this might get physical. This, this could really get physical. I don't know how I did, but I somehow got them to agree to go back and take their posts. But right after that, I end up going into a men's room and I just came apart. I just, I did, I lost it. I mean, I just lost it. Bob Blandingham was a terrific correctional officer. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I knew him personally, played golf with him. I don't know if it's right to say this, but he would have been the last person of the group that was taken hostage that I would have thought they would have killed. Here's Officer Daryl Clark. After Bobby, all the inmates and all the hostages all thought, well, they're going to come in now. So I was pretty much to the point where I done had it in my mind, we're dead, you know. Since prisoners have now killed a hostage, everyone inside expects law enforcement to storm the prison and kill them all. But instead, something very different is about to happen. In exchange for prisoner spokesperson George Skates being allowed to give a live radio address, one hostage will be released. Daryl learns it will be him. But he thinks... It's a setup. I said, they're going to take me out there and kill me in front of camera. George Gates was escorting me out, and I was still blindfolded. And that's when they couldn't find the keys to open the door. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, they're going to change your mind. They're going to change your mind. They're going to change your mind. And then they open the door. I walk out there towards where the track was. Uh, They stopped me. They took my blindfold off, turn around, look, and I'm thinking, damn, I am being released. It was hard at that point. And it was difficult, too, to leave my... <clears throat> it was hard to leave my fellow officers at that time. Can I take a break for a second? Of course. Of course. <clears throat> I felt guilty. I mean, my brothers were still in there, you know? So, it was hard. We hope there is no more violence. We hope there are no more unnecessary murders. We are not going to bow down. We are not going to give up. We are going to remain, no matter what they put on us. If we die, we die. When George Skates concludes his live radio address on WPAY... Daryl is finally turned over to prison officials. I remember walking off that yard. They had a gurney laid out. And uh, all I remember is walking up to it and just collapsing on it, thinking, finally, you know. And I remember them 
escort me down all the corridors. They had the corridors completely lined up with every single staff member in the world clapping. Here's TV anchor Bob Orr. So after inmate George had aired his grievances on the radio, the inmates still wanted a bigger presence. They wanted a live television broadcast. The state asked me if my station, WBNS, could provide that. WBNS agrees to share this live footage with other stations. And in exchange, one more hostage will be released, Officer James Demons. To everyone's surprise, when Officer Demons and the prisoner escorting him walk out onto the yard, both are dressed in traditional Muslim clothing. After the Muslim prisoner speaks, it's Officer James Demons' turn. Now, I knew Blanningham. He was a good friend of mine. The only reason that man is dead because he stayed in there so long because they want to cut off water and turn off electricity, which had me scared for my life in there. So I adjusted to the nation of Islam. It's not exactly clear why Officer Demons converted to Islam. Did he truly end up siding with the prisoners or did he do it so they let him go? Whatever the reason, he is free. On Sunday, prison officials are ecstatic to announce that they have new evidence the five hostage guards are alive and well. I am pleased to announce that through negotiations, we have an audio tape of each and every correctional officer. This tape confirms that all five are alive and well. It's day eight of the uprising, and inmates tell prison officials they want some outside legal help. My wife and I were sitting here talking about going to the Cleveland Indian game that afternoon when the phone rang, and it was the chief counsel from the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections. And he uh, greeted me by saying, Nikki, I never thought I'd be so glad to hear your voice. That's Nikki Schwartz, a Cleveland lawyer with a long history of advocating for prisoners' rights and improvements in prison conditions. Side note, you know the prison where the Shawshank Redemption was filmed? Well, Nikki, on behalf of a human rights coalition, was able to get that prison the Mansfield Reformatory, shut down because it was unfit for human habitation. Okay, back to the call. And he told me the inmates demanded a lawyer. They decided they wanted to give him a lawyer and would like it to be me. And therefore, what they needed in this situation was somebody both sides would trust. And they knew from dealing with me in prior cases, although I was a pain in the posterior, I was honorable and they would trust me. Nikki is flown down to Lucasville and immediately gets to work. I get to the prison and I'm taken into the warden's office. And the first thing they do, they hand me this 21-point agreement. Over the course of the last several days, prisoners had made a list of demands, which are negotiated down to 21. And so I read it over and I asked them several more questions. And they then put me on the phone with the person who at the moment was the main prison negotiator, who was Jason Robb. Hey, Jason, 
Prisoner Jason Robb is asking for a face-to-face meeting with Nikki. But prison officials say before that can happen, the inmates need to release three of the five remaining hostages. It's made clear that isn't going to happen. However, there's something else going on that day that may affect law enforcement's next move. ABC News' Nightline reports. This is ABC News Nightline. What began as a fiasco on the 28th of February ended as a total disaster today. Waco, the siege at the Branch Davidian compound in Waco, Texas, that began six weeks before Lucasville, just came to a violent and fiery end. More than 70 members of the religious sect were killed. Here's Nikki. Monday was the day of the Waco fire. Now, when I heard about the Waco fire, I feared that would increase the likelihood of a armed solution to the problem. I think it worked the opposite. I think it scared them. And I think that's why they said, okay, let's, we'll let the negotiations go forward now. Tuesday brings the best news yet. Word from the attorney assigned to the inmates that they want the siege to end now. But first, Nikki's face-to-face meeting with the prisoners. Law enforcement is concerned for his safety, so instead of Nikki going inside to meet with the prisoners, two tables are set up outside on either side of the perimeter fence. So the three prison negotiators emerged and approached the table. After introducing myself, uh, one of the first things I said to them was that... um, I may not be able to tell you what you want to hear, but I'm not going to give you any bullshit. They later told me that was a very significant statement on my part, that 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 was meaningful to them. The first thing that the prisoners asked was they wanted amnesty. And I said, that's not possible. A guard has been killed. They accepted that for the time being. So their primary concern was their safety following the surrender. So they told me their conditions, which included that none of the members of their three groups, the Black Gangster Disciples, the White Aryan Brotherhood, and the Sunni Muslims, would spend 10 minutes in a Lucasville cell after the surrender, that they would all be bussed out to another institution, uh, that the surrender process would be televised live, that uh, it would have um, outside observers, including me, and that they be permitted to control the surrender process. The prisoners tell Nikki they will take the terms back to the rest of the men inside and will be in touch. The next afternoon, anchor Bob Orr goes live on WBNS with some breaking news. If you just joined us, this is live coverage, a special report from Lucasville with the good news that the 11-day siege now has ended. They have reached an agreement. It sounds like Nikki Schwartz was pivotal. At mid-afternoon, the community watched what appeared to be the beginning of a peaceful surrender. This came after inmates and prison authorities agreed to a 21-point agreement on the inmate demands. They mostly had to do with prison policy and procedures and an agreement that there will be no retaliation against the prisoners after their surrender. The surrender continues late into the evening. 
Some of the last to emerge are the five officer hostages. Here's Colonel Tom Rice. They were safe. It was fantastic. I've often said it was the saddest and the happiest day of my life. They were going to go back to their families. Yet we lost one. So it was an overwhelming feeling of joy and sadness all mixed into one. After 11 long days, it's finally over. Although when L-Block is cleared, the bodies of two more dead prisoners are discovered. Here's Bob again. In the end, 10 people died, nine inmates and one guard. A lot of pain happened there. A lot of families were touched, guards, inmates, staff. And it's sadly, you know, one of the darkest chapters in Ohio history. Now, one of the largest investigations in Ohio history is about to begin. And the search for those responsible for murdering nine prisoners and one officer will be unprecedented. So how does Keith Lamar, the man whose case we're covering, fit into all of this? Well, Keith will soon be named the leader of the death squad. He will be accused of orchestrating and taking part in the vicious murders of five men during the uprising. Question is, do they have the right guy? Now, I'm not guilty. I didn't kill anybody. Coming up this season on The Real Killer. You come into a prison and you've got a choice. You can do it on your feet or you can do it on your stomach. Lucasville, from its inception, was a disaster waiting to happen. It puts you through all this bullshit. And you and if you get angry, see, that's proof that he's an animal. No, that's proof that I'm a human being, that this shit hurt, that the shit you're doing to me is painful. Do you know Keith Lamar? I know him. Did you see him inside L6? No, I didn't see him. The investigator said to me, if you don't accept this deal, I'm here to tell you that we're going to put your black ass on death row. They had zero physical evidence. Five brutal killings. Just nothing. How did you feel about your case? Oh, I thought he was going to get convicted. This man was probably the most significant prosecution witness. He lied through his teeth. If you uh, eliminate the scumbags' testimony against other scumbags, you would have a hard time convicting anybody. If you stand there and watch another human being uh, uh, being killed, what does that say about you? What you told police was just different than what you shared with me. Well, you want to have a conversation, let's have a conversation. People have asked over the years, you know, what if he's guilty? Even if he were guilty, which I absolutely don't believe he is, it still doesn't change the fact that the way and the methods that were used were unconstitutional and wrong. They cheated. If the state of Ohio executes Keith, they will absolutely be executing an innocent man. We're not barbarians. Or are we? The Real Killer is a production of AYR Media and iHeartRadio, hosted by me, Leah Rothman. Executive producers Leah Rothman and Eliza Rosen for AYR Media. Written by 
Leah Rothman. Executive producer, Paulina Williams. Senior associate producer, Jill Pesheznik. Coordinator, George Fom. Editing and sound design by Cameron Taggy. Mixed and mastered by Cameron Taggy. Audio engineering by Matt Jacobson. Studio engineering by Anna Mulishan. Legal counsel for AYR Media, Gianni Douglas. Executive producer for iHeartRadio, Maya Howard. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.